Welcome to the Teacher Interview Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Creasel. I work as Director of Innovation and Instructional Support in Fullerton School District, and every week we sit down and get to know a teacher better. My goal is to learn what drives and guides teachers, especially when venturing into that risky territory of trying something new. Join me. Today on the Teacher Interview Podcast, we spend time with Carol Ann Curley. She teaches third grade at Laguna Road Elementary School in Fullerton, California. All right, so welcome to the Teacher Interview Podcast. Um, Today we have Carol Ann Curley. And you're a teacher at what site? Laguna Road. Laguna Road. And um, so um, we're just going over what to expect a little bit. So we have some interviews I've done ahead of time, and they've given me some information. So those are like jumping off points into the interview. But our general theme is to explore, like, trying things new, and what do you think about that, and why do you do it? Because I've heard you try things that are new. (laughs) And even before the podcast, we've talked about a couple things. Um, but first to start us off, like, tell me your journey into teaching. Like, how did that happen for you? Why did you become a teacher? Where were you? Okay. Um, I played the piano growing up a lot. My mom was a piano teacher. So, um, by high school, I was already teaching piano. Really? So my mom wow. had a, um, in her family room, a grand piano. classical music? Classical. And then in her back bedroom, she had an upright, an upright Steinway. And so I would teach in the, in the back room. When I had students that were really good, I'd pass them on to her. And so um, that's kind of how I worked my way through college, too. Wow. But I started teaching piano when I was 16, 17, around there. My mom would now, coach me. Paid at sure, That's sure. Awesome. I put an ad in the penny saver. Did you really? And I'd interview my students if they didn't practice. I'd say, "Oh, I'm sorry, I don't have room for you." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I really enjoyed it. Wait, and that might be the best quote out of the whole interview. Is you you screened <laughs> sure, your students? Sure, sure. I love you already. That's so brilliant. That's okay. Keep and then going, I passed going. the ones on that were dedicated, you know, onto my mom. Um, because I didn't really have, um, you know, a credential to teach music, and she, like, took them to adjudications and things like that. I'm sorry. Adjudications, like, where you play for judges. Okay, so it's like a recital, but with consequences. Well, they're positive. Well, it's like positive. You get, um, (laughs) like, okay, so, so you might do your pieces for a panel of, or even just one judge, and then they would give you comments on Uh, how you can improve. They would give you Uh, feedback. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So that, so you start teaching and then you, you actually helped earn your way through college by teaching piano. Sure. So I was living at home. Absolutely. I lived at home and then I would take how many students I needed back then. Tuition was nothing like it (laughs) is now. And um, I love teaching. I loved working with kids. I like seeing them grow. And then when I got to college, I thought, you know, I really want to be a teacher. I really like working with kids. I like making a difference in their life. So, so, but you're not a music teacher per se. No. So how did you decide on, okay, I'm not going to study music. I'm going to be. That would be my dad, who is, um, 
he was a, an auditor for Security Pacific National Bank. And he wanted me to have a job that had health benefits <laughs> and a okay. retirement plan okay. because being a music teacher is a good supplementary income. But he wanted me to always have a secure income. Okay. And he was just like, that's well, the guess, dad part of him. Well, I guess to, I was thinking you could be a music teacher in public education. Oh, I see what education. you're saying. Yes. So at some point you decided... Um, I love too many things. So oh, being okay. a general education yeah. teacher, you get to teach math and yeah. reading and science. And, yeah. and so I became a liberal studies major okay. so that I could have the gamut of all the subjects. And where did you go to college? I went to Cal State Fullerton. Oh, that's awesome. That's long great. time ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's great. Um, okay. So then how did you, where did you first start teaching? Tell me a little bit more about that. Okay. So I did student teaching at Fern Drive School no and they hired okay. me there. What? There you go. That's, that's great. I had one interview. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. That's cool. Okay, so we have a couple. Anything else you want to say about your journey into teaching? I'm going to pull up my notes from our no, interviews. No, I don't think so. Okay. I'm good to go. You're good to go. Okay, so I interviewed a couple of people, and I want to start off um, with this one. So this is from your principal, so uh, Ryan. And he actually added... I. I asked three questions and he gave me four answers. All right. So I'm going to read this one because it just stood out to me. Okay. So it says, um, on a personal level, she gave my wife and I a book about a mom with her two sons. We read that book at least once a week and it makes us cry every time. And he says, he uses the words, you're intuitive and thoughtful and you've gone above and beyond to support your colleagues personally and professionally. Mm -hmm. So tell me about either that book or... I don't think I've ever given a boss of mine a present like that, that people would describe as intuitive and um, thoughtful. <laughs> so tell me more about that. Um, well, I love children's you. literature. Okay. And I, I have two daughters. love to read to them when they were young. And so Ryan has two little boys. And so there's this one book that I thought of. Um, it's how the mom loves each son completely and wholly, but in a different way. So one son, she says, I love you the bluest. One son, I love you the purplest. And then it's, it's just how she loves each son for who they are. Yeah. And so when they had their second child and Ryan would say how different the boys were, oh, I thought of so that. Made that I made that connection and I thought, I bet they would love to read this book with their boys. And it also for their boys, it, you know, it helps kids understand that it's okay to be who you are, yeah. that your parents love you for who you are. You yeah. don't have to be like your older brother. Yeah. yeah. So let's draw a line between that and innovation. Like innovation, kind of broadly defined, trying something new. So if you are innovative, that means you're not just trying it once, but you're trying it twice. So think about like the boys, the sons. Mm -hmm. You love this idea. You love that idea differently. So yes. out of all your experiences trying new things, almost like they're like these ideas are kids, like how do you find you become attached to ideas differently or certain things you try in the classroom make you feel differently? Talk about that kind of idea hmm. with innovation. Well, I like to take long walks and I get lots of ideas when I'm walking. And sometimes I think I have an idea that I'm going to implement with a certain class and then I get to know them their personality and their gifts and talents yeah and then I totally go a different way yeah so um, I would say how I attach myself to ideas is I I go to conferences I, I read a lot 
I look around on Twitter, mm -hmm. um, talk to Jason and Pablo and, <laughs> and Ann and Susan. Um, and then I get to know the kids. Yeah. Talk about that part. I think that's real, um, really interesting. You have an idea and then you're watching the kids and is it before you try something or while you're trying it? Or after that you see the connection that it makes okay. a difference for them? So sometimes I've tried things over summer, like I've made a sample project okay. that I never ended up doing at okay. all because I met the kids. I'm like, this totally is not going to fit them. Yeah. So sometimes I've done it early and then other times I've implemented it and been fine. Um, sometimes I'll get the idea as we're working. So this year, Jason and I built a little Kamigami. Well, we... Our students built the Kamigamis, but we so um, facilitated. It's a little audience. robot okay. that looks like a little bug, okay. and they can code for it on the iPad. Okay. It's pretty simple block coding. Okay. Um, about like Dash. If you think about what you code for Dash, it's about the same. And so while we, while we were building them, I thought to myself, oh, we could save the boxes and make like a little house for them. Okay, so like yeah. I got it like in the spur of the moment. Yeah. So the kids in, created this little environment and, and it, this was a little house and it lived right on their desk. Oh, so cute. it was their personal learning buddy. So sometimes I just get it in the moment. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes uh, as we're working with it, like with the Kamigamis, I got the idea, oh, we're going to the Arboretum and we're studying these biomes. We could make little biomes and then have the Kamigamis live in the biomes. Uh -huh. And we could talk about how maybe it's going to adapt to so tie in the science standards. And then we were working on area and perimeter. And I thought, oh, and we, this, we were studying the city of Fullerton. We could build a Kamigami town. Mm. In fact, as I was thinking about that, in, on Monday afternoon, we have Innovation Lab. I was expressing that to a What's parent. What's Innovation Lab? Tell me about Okay, that. it's kind of like Math Lab, but... I asked the kids. So math lab, in my experience, is okay, where you go if yeah, you need to get tutored. Okay. So <laughs> some t teachers have math labs. It's like where you do maybe tiling okay. and you do like, hands -on, like different like math activities, right? Mm -hmm. So I switched it over this year to innovation lab. I asked the kids, what do you want to be an expert on? And some of them said, I want to be better at coding on hopscotch. Some wanted to make things out a little bit. Some wanted to make board games. And so... I just basically had them sign up on a Google form and say, what are you interested in? And then I met with parent groups and I coached them on, here's what we're looking. You're not making the game. They're making the game. But you're kind of facilitating discussion with them to say, well, what's the strategy going to be? And if you draw a card, what's going to happen? And yeah. so basically everybody's creating on Monday afternoon. Cool. And That's I great. tried to have them create so something like that, that went with the learning goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of what we were learning in our classroom. That's awesome. So it's like twenty percent time, almost. If you've heard that idea, right? Google. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So they're just free exploration and creating something. Right. That's awesome. I love it. And tied to a learning goal, yes. if you can swing it. Yes. That's great. Okay, so I I got us off with uh, off track with Innovation Lab. But you were talking about the Kamigami and perimeter and... The city. So yeah. during Innovation Lab, I was standing talking to one of the mothers at the board game station. And I said, you know, we should build a city for these little robots. And she said, I'm a city planner. And I said, are you <laughs> kidding me? So she came in the next week with a PowerPoint on what she does and how 
city planners work and organize a city. Wow. So now my classes. What grade are you teaching? Third grade. <laughs> so now they all signed up for different committees. I have the <laughs> guys that That's are. Fabulous. Okay, I went to Home Depot. I bought this huge canvas, mm -hmm. and they're putting um, the road committee designing all the roads. I have the, the park and rec department. So they're planning this whole yeah. city and they're building it out of cardboard. That's awesome. And we're, we're measuring area and perimeter, which we could also do volume now too. We could extend it, oh, but that's cool. we're doing a lot of measuring. That's great. Yeah. I'm glad the Kamigami um, topic came up because that was, that was in my, uh, my pre-research. Uh -huh. And actually before I, um, because I work with Jason so I've heard about the kamigamis right. and their um, the pet kamigamis. Um, so that's great. Let's go to um, here's another bit of feedback from um, your principal Ryan. So um, so I'll just read the quote and then we okay. can talk about it. So Carol Ann is so easygoing until something she is passionate about is questioned. I remember a staff meeting my very first year where I was explaining PLCs and tracking guaranteed and viable standards, and the staff was giving me a lot of pushback. Carol Ann stood up and said that we are responsible for building a framework for future generations of Laguna Road teachers. She's like that, always has the best interests of all students in mind. So do you remember that moment? No. <laughs> you don't remember that? But I do remember, I know why I would have said that. Okay. Um, so Laguna Road, we have a lot of very veteran teachers on our staff, and uh, we do know where our kids are at. Yeah. We actually don't need guaranteed viable standards. Like you could ask to ask a teacher, and we, man, we know it. Yeah. But my point is, many of the teachers at Laguna are beginning to retire, mm -hmm. and the younger teachers are coming in. And I do feel very strongly that we need to create the PLC is a good system mm -hmm. to build this framework to support younger teachers. I remember my first years of teaching. I was lost. I didn't know what I was doing. And I came out in the time of whole language. Yeah, yeah. So I walked yeah. into a fourth grade room at that time and they said, here's the book. Here's a novel. Yeah. Teach That's reading. reading. Yeah. I was like, what? Right. Yeah. And Teachers today, they don't have two years to figure it out. Okay, I started teaching in the mid-90s, so I was like at the end of the whole language. I was 87. Thing. Okay, so yeah. in that eight to ten years. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I went through that. I was like, I didn't learn any. I was high school, but I, I didn't learn any like strategic you know, phonics or anything. Right. I learned it later. But right. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Okay, so go back to, go back to your story. So... Um, in this instance where you spoke to the staff, so that's a moment, and you don't remember it, but if you are passionate about something, you see that it could make a difference and other people are not necessarily seeing the value of that, how do you, let's say it's something new that's maybe scary or not in people's comfort zone, how do you work with colleagues to help support taking them down a path they may not be comfortable with? I jump first. So, so I jump first. Okay. I say, here, watch me do creative chaos and not freak out. <laughs> so you try it. I try it. And then I show them how much fun it is. And the kids see how, you know, yeah. they show how much, you know, learning has gone on. Yeah. And it works out better that way. I mean, I just... 
Does, am I making sense yeah, to yeah. you? Like, so, I, so you go first and you tr- try it so uh-huh. that you take the responsibility to like put, you know, the proof is in the pudding, so right, to speak. Right, right. But then you said, you. so then you share with your colleagues. So what's your strategy just talking to a colleague who's not not going that direction and you've tried it? So do you have any tips or tricks for talking to people who are uncomfortable with that? Like do you... Um, take them out for coffee do you just just rave and rave and rave till they start asking questions or have you thought about it I think one thing is to accept where they are and not necessarily try to change and shove it down their throat honestly (laughs) okay (laughs) um but it all starts with a relationship I think a friendship Mm. and then sometimes I've said okay um that sounds like a lot how about if I set up the accounts for your class. Mm. Let's switch classes. You're really good at this other lesson. Mm. You take my class for that. I'll do all the messy setup for you because oh, that's yeah. overwhelming for them. Yeah. They're, they're like, okay, that's cool. So I just took mm. that off their plate. They don't have to worry about setting up. all. Yeah. That might be whatever stressful to them. And just like we scaffold with kids, mm. scaffold with your colleagues. So take a project and say, okay, why don't we just do this? Yeah, so in bit. our STEM lab, we're looking to in to do some scratch coding. Yeah. So the the comment that I've heard is, oh, well, that's too that's too hard for my kids. So I said, here, and I made a simple simple project. I said, what about if we just start with this? And they're, oh, oh, we oh we could do that. Yeah, yeah. So then I got them. Yeah, we do you, a little bit. <laughs> then you, then you got them because after that, their kids will take it further. The ones that right. are ready, they'll just run with it. Right. So that so. goes back to the other thing you said is I try it first and then I share with them and then scaffolding's part of that. Mm-hmm. But then you said something about then the students tell them. So what like your students in your class talk to other students or other teachers? Is that you've seen that happen where like ideas spread because the students are expressing. Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, maybe I I don't have a good example of that okay. though. But I do have an example. What happens is the student will take it to the next level. Oh, okay. So if a teacher introduces scratch coding, mm, I got you. The student goes home. Yeah. And is totally excited and brings it. Look at what yeah. I coded. Yeah. And all of a sudden they realize, oh, it's okay. The student went way past what I know, yeah. but I'm good with that. Yeah, because once that happens, you're not going to tell the student stop learning, and then you can release it and go, okay, they're they're learning on their own. I'm the facilitator. And I think that's a really big puzzle piece with innovation mm-hmm. is you have to be really comfortable going in a land where you don't have all the answers to start with, but that's okay, and your kids can help you. And sometimes when I did, I did a lot of scratch coding last year, I had students that went way beyond me and they come show me and I just say, will you do the mini lesson this week and show the students your coding and what was going on in your head? Wow. And they got up there on a little yeah. stool, you know, with the yeah. pointer yeah. And they, next to the Apple TV and they taught the class. Yeah. I it was love great. That. And they say kids that. learn really well from other, from their peers. Right. It, that's good. So, Takes the pressure great. off me too. It does, <laughs> and then you can just kind of sit back and yeah. observe and think about clarifying questions mm-hmm. and watch how other students are receiving the information. So it puts you mm-hmm. like instead of being active, you're like observing and soaking up details and kind of you're learning. Yeah. Instead of performing. 
That's great. There's a great word you use that um, I haven't used, I haven't heard used before. You said something about like innovations, like going into a new land. Yeah. And um, I think that's really interesting. I think it shows a lot of empathy for people who are not comfortable in that space mm-hmm. to actually like visualize it. Like it's um, it's disorienting physically, or like you don't know where to turn, or you're not sure what your landmarks are. Um, how do you, because so far you've been very like, I just jump out there, but how do you make sense when you're in a place that you're experiencing new things and you're not exactly sure? Like what, how do you get through that? Like what's your North Star? What are you paying attention to? Um, probably two things. One is that when you innovate or when I innovate, I often have too many ideas. Um, I have to. Well, there's so much out there. You know, use this app, Flipgrid, this. They're all good. Most of them are are good and worthy. But you kind of have to have your content and your purpose in mind. You need to be really purposeful in innovation so that you can create toward something meaningful with your your kids. Um, And... You got to kind of peel things away and have focus. So you're going to do this and you're going to do it well. Yeah. And then evaluate, either yeah. build on that or then turn the corner and try something else. Yeah. And I've actually learned that sometimes less is more, mm. right? Um, to do less, but do it well and do it deep. And the kids really feel very proud about it. Yeah. And then the other thing is just true grit and perseverance. Yeah. Like, you just can't give up easy. There's going to be days where, you know, the internet doesn't work, the Apple TV goes down, this and that. You just have a backup plan, and you just say, well, carry on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll try again tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so interesting. It's just a lot of wisdom packed in in a few words right there. Like you said, um, you talked about how I have a lot of ideas, like you. So you are the type of person who can come up with ideas. But yet, sometimes simplicity is really more effective. So how do you kind of, mm, I guess, discern or adapt your natural creative, um, um, like, let's say you have 12 ideas or 10 or 5. How do you then get to the point where you're like, okay, this one is the best for the students? All right. Number one. Keep going. I'm going to show you. Um, audience, you got to know your, like I have third grade, so I need to know what makes them tick. Like they're different, um, learning styles. I have a lot of kids in my room who love to build this year. They're the builders. They love to build. Okay. Um, like Legos or? Uh, like this cardboard city, Legos, anything. They'll build anything. anything. You give them their pencil box, they'll build a tower out of their pencil box. Um, so knowing your audience, knowing your content, Mm -hmm. what are your standards, um, I think those are the big things. So you're, no, no, you're good. So it's about having many ideas and trying to find the one that's most important. So you said knowing your kids. So yes. you can have, have 10 ideas, but your students are builders. Oh, let's go with the idea that has building in it because it's tapping yes. into that affinity that they already have. But then you might have 10 ideas and here's the content standard you really yes. need. Let's choose the two that are really aligned with that. So you're kind of looking for out of, creative ideas and possibilities, mm-hmm. 
alignment with who your students are, which I think you said in the first minute of this podcast, it mm-hmm. seemed like aligning with your content, you know. So you mentioned another word, purpose. And so it, it occurred to me, like you said, I'm trying to find ideas that are, you have to remember your content and your purpose. Right. Um, so sometimes those are aligned and sometimes those are slightly different. Can you talk about like, what, what do you see when you think of content and what do you see when you think of purpose? And yeah, talk more about that. Okay. So back to the Kamigamis that we're using this sure. year. Um, we, in third grade, work in writing workshop. My students needed a lot more just fluency in writing informational text. So we took that little Kamigami and um, every Friday we talk about the learning goals that we covered for the week and they write a script from the point of view of the Kamigami about what they learned with an introduction, strong introduction, a main idea, supporting details, Mm partner sentences like we talk about in writing workshop, strong conclusion, because they really needed to just repeat that. They needed to deepen practice mm-hmm. that skill in a meaningful way. Right. So they type this on their little iPad on a dock. They have little groups that they formed and then they vlog it. Mm-hmm. They create a little vlog and post it on Seesaw. Okay. So they're writing a script yes. from the point of view of the robot yes. about what they themselves have learned. So, and then the vlog is them reading it? But it's camera? like it's like the robot's reading it. Okay. So you actually don't see the you child. You don't see this child. You just see the robot. But you hear the child's so, voice. Yes. Brilliant. Yeah. I love that. I love that. It's yeah. so interesting. Because then you, it's, it's disarming in a way because it's like the robot is becoming the actor and is gaining proficiency. And so there's this distance between how I feel about whether I know things or not. And it's almost like play. It's play acting. Yes. Which is like really empowering. And right? every week they're practicing writing a strong introduction, yeah. a main idea yeah. with supporting details, with a conclusion. Fun, yes. um, method to do it. Yes. So it's not just like, what? And then another I have intro. a lot of artistic students, so they'll build props. Okay. Some of them, the techie ones, will green screen on the do ink. So they green screen. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it launches off from learning goals. I have a group of kids who are really into atoms, molecules. Can we do it on the water molecule? Of course you can. (laughs) Go research, you know. So it's not always like, this week I learned about area or this week I learned about whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're getting close to the end of our time. We've been going 25 minutes so far. Um, So so I've given you a couple of quotes from from Ryan, but I did want to, so Jason is the one who's like, you have to have Carol Ann. You have to talk to her. You have to interview her. Um, so I did want to share one of um, his um, stories, and it looks like it looks like it, I didn't get it pasted in this document. So I'm just going to go from memory. All right. So um, the way he tells it is the idea of the Kamigamis started by you approaching him, and you said, "Is there anything new you want me to try?" Does that does does yeah. that fit with your memory? I, every year I say, what you got for me? <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you got new for me? What do you got new you for me? You get to go to fancy conferences? Bring it back. Bring, bring it back. back. <laughs> tell me what's new. Because I want to go to those conferences too. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me tell me about that mindset and how do you keep that perpetual 
Um, like you just said, every year it's it's right. like that. How do you um, keep that open mindset? Um, because it's you can have a great success and then think I'm going to do that again and perfect it. You know, and, and a lot of times we get comfortable doing things um, that we we know more the ins and outs. There's less um, unpredictable ground. Um, but yet you are, you know, saying, what's, what do you have new for me? And like, you might even add it onto the thing that was Mm -hmm. new last year. And so there's another layer. So talk to me about that mindset and, and why, why it's important to you ask that question. Well, I've been teaching a long time. I don't want to tell you how long, but I think I said 1987 (laughs) early in the interview. It's already out there. Okay. I, in my educational experience, when I was in school, I had a lot of teachers who I think they did the same thing for 20, 30 years. Okay. And they were bored with it. Mm. And us students were bored with it too. Right. And this is an era that there are so many amazing resources and tools to up the ante Mm -hmm. for kids, to engage them. And to give them like feedback, mm-hmm. quick feedback, to, to make learning come alive and meaningful. And I love teaching and I wanna be the best teacher I can be yeah, and I, I wanna bring it to them. I want them to leave third grade saying, whoa, that was totally yeah. awesome, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. Okay, um, so I just want to say thank you. We're, we're at our time. And so thank you for joining us. And um, hopefully it was enjoyable. And um, we'd love to have you on the podcast. All right, thanks. Okay. This has been the Teacher Interview Podcast. Thank you for joining us.